Hello, I'm Izzy. <laughs> I'm Rusty. La la la. Hello, I'm Izzy. And I'm Jessica. And welcome back to The Greatest, greatest Genre, aka Romanticy. Where we will be rereading, dissecting, yep. and fully fangirling over the exhaustive works of Sarah J. Mass, starting with A Court of Thorns and Roses. Today, we will be focusing on Akatar chapters 20 through 25. Oh, so we have six chapters today. going on today. The first portion of the episode will be spoiler-free. We'll be speaking exclusively about the events that unfold within those chapters, sharing our thoughts and analyses, also referencing events from previous episodes and chapters. Mm-hmm. And the second portion will be completely a different story. It is going to be spoilers abound. Oh my god. <laughs> so many today. Today's going to be a problem. No, so we many We have to today. stay concise. I know we say that every time, you guys, but actually today there are some unhinged theories back there. Unhinged? Yes. And if you have not already torn through Akatar, Tog, and CC, and you do not want to be exposed to those spoilers, we will give you a very clear warning. Yes, we will make sure to keep you safe. If you are not looking for spoilers, then you will know when to exit. Precisely. Yes. And then a couple of quick housekeeping notes before we dive in. Housekeeping! Housekeeping! Yes. A uh, reminder, The Greatest Genre does, from time to time, contain adult content oh and adult language. <laughs> Especially today. <laughs> Unwell. Especially today. And we're, I'm not even going to tease it. I, we're just going to okay. give you the disclaimer. Today's episode does have adult language and adult content, as the series itself does tend to do from time to time. Some books more than others. Yes. So, if that's not your thing, then this is maybe not the episode for you, but we hope that it is. We certainly hope that it is, because it's definitely the episode for us. And finally, a final request to please keep things kind in the comments. We love this genre, we love this community, and we can all disagree on which Faye is finest while being respectful of one another. We absolutely can. And if you have not already, Please, 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 please give us a follow on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts. We are also now on, on Amazon. Oh, yes. Do you know how to Google get Google Podcasts? Like if you were to Google Greatest Genre Amazon, would it show up? I am working on a link tree right now <laughs> that is going to be posted in our social media accounts. Isabel, you know those like the back of your hand. Can you rattle them off for our followers, please? I absolutely can. So on Instagram, you can follow us at the greatest, sorry, the underscore greatest genre. The underscore. The underscore Greatest genre. <laughs> you can email us at thegreatestgenre at gmail.com. We are on Twitter at greatestgenre. And I think that's it. YouTube is just the yeah. greatest genre. Our Instagram is a really dependable place to go to for updates about episodes, where you can listen to us and oh, all that kind oh, of thing. Oh, and we have a TikTok. Yes. Now. We do oh have a Oh my God, TikTok. I forgot about our TikTok. We do have a TikTok. <laughs> do you know? Is you guys the, should be proud of us. Is it? Just the greatest genre? I think so. We'll put that on our Instagram, too. <laughs> Just go to our Instagram. We're millennials, so that's where we live. Oh, no. <laughs> All right, Jessica, I think it is time for us to return to Prithian. Oh, my God, I thought this day would never come. I know, it's been so long. It really has. Let's go over the wall, return to Prithian, and venture into chapters 20 through 25 of Akatar, A Court of Thorns and Roses. Take it away with those summaries. 
I'm going to try and keep it brief today <laughs> because we have a lot to talk about. We're covering six chapters instead of our typical five. And there's a lot going on. That was a lot going on. Okay. Chapter 20. Remember, we are following the very deeply unsettling encounter with the Ator. Mm -hmm. Even though Feyre couldn't see it, it was like very unsettling for everyone. The mood was kind of bleak, but preparations for Fire Knight, aka, aka Kalanmai, become a welcome distraction. Feyre is not invited. Decidedly to, not. To this holiday. And <laughs> for on, various reasons. For various reasons, but also like not a nice feeling. No. Especially because nobody is explaining to her why. Why, yeah. And you and I And we will understand. get into that actually. We this is this is why we're keeping these brief because we have a lot so to talk sorry. about. On the day of Fire Night, she doesn't even see Tamlin or Lucian until the at the end of the day, as the sun is setting, Tamlin appears shirtless, I might add. <sighs> And informs her that he has to go to perform the great rite, <laughs> offers no other explanation, and then orders her to stay in her room until dawn. Feyre, to her credit, tries to do as she's told, but the FOMO, understandably, gets the better of her and she takes off to join the fray. As she explores the festivities, she finds herself in the unwelcome company of three rather menacing fairies, but is rescued by a stranger <laughs> with a deep sensual voice who funnily enough turns out to be quote the most beautiful, beautiful man, man end quote she has ever seen hmm chapter 21 the stranger is high fey and they have a brief exchange which we will unpack in excruciating <laughs> detail very shortly <laughs> before Feyre flees back into the crowd where she is spotted by none other than lucian who i would like to go ahead and just say up front deserves a raise <laughs> He tosses Feyre over his shoulder like a sack of potatoes. and runs back to the manor where he finally explains to her that the, what the great right is, which we'll talk about, and emphasizes again that she needs to stay in her room for her own safety. She does listen this time, stays in her room, but does she? she sneaks, well, she gets hungry because they took all of the food. Okay, fair enough. So she just goes down to the kitchen for a snack, again, relatable. Innocently. Understandable. And she is almost back into her room when who should appear in the hallway <laughs> but a certain High Lord of the Spring Court. God, I have so bad giggles. They also have an interesting exchange, which we will break down in detail, but it ends with Feyre receiving a hickey from Tamlin and <laughs> Tamlin actually charged and Tamlin getting slapped across the face by Feyre. Which he deserves. The next day, Feyre goes down to breakfast wearing her hickey with a whole lot of attitude. And Lucian seems to immensely enjoy <laughs> asking Tamlin exactly how this might have happened. Tamlin and Feyre have a bit of a spat, but it's short-lived, and they make up by dinner time, and he gives her a bouquet of white roses from his parents' garden. Oh, was it roses? I've missed that. Which is lovely. It's lovely. The next night, for dinner, Feyre voluntarily... Dawn's address, and Lucian makes quite possibly the most perfect exit stage left I've ever experienced in a novel. This might ever. be our favorite Lucian quote. It is, period, unmatched. Feyre then takes Tamlin to show him all the paintings she's done. She attempts to gift him an abstract work of the Starlight Pool, but he selects one instead that she has painted of her forest. Mm -hmm. They have a really beautiful moment of connection and like really heavy romantic tension too, which we'll talk about. And it ends with her asking him how she can help her, but Tamlin says it's his burden to bear. 
chapter 23. The next day, the tension kicks up again when they go on an actual date, sans illusion. Finally. Yes. <laughs> Who has removed himself from the he has, situation. He has, he has stayed. Exit. Stage left. Yes. <laughs> and Tamlin uses his magic to allow her for a moment to see and hear the world through his fae senses in exchange for a kiss. Which she ends up planting on, on his the back hand. of his hand. Yes. Very cheeky. <laughs> Feyre tries to take off Tamlin's mask, which is tough. Doesn't come off. Uh, no, Disclaimer. it does not. And then she passes out. And when she wakes up, it is chapter 24. And also she realizes that there has been a glamour put over her since she's arrived that has now been lifted. There are fairies everywhere. <laughs> she doesn't recognize the Alice. mansion. It, not so empty. Not so empty anymore. <laughs> and that's all very exciting until there is a rather gruesome surprise in the garden when Feyre discovers a severed head yeah. on a statue. And it is branded with a sigil that Tamlin and Lucian identify as the Night Court. Hmm. Tamlin explains that this kind of prank is exactly the kind of thing the High Lord of the Night Court would find amusing. Oh, is it now? Mm, apparently. Chapter 25, after the severed head incident, Tamlin is called away to the border for a couple of days. Feyre is very worried. Always. While he is gone and is filled with relief when she finally hears his deep voice echoing through the halls again. Mm -hmm. She is rushing to greet him when Alice yanks her into her room and puts her in another dress and places a crown of flowers in her hair for the summer solstice. Mm -hmm. Lucian very dryly points out that, um, unfortunately for For Feyre and and her neck... It's amazing. <laughs> it is just a party, so Feyre is invited to attend, and boy, does she lean in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Her babysitter, Lucian, still needs a raise because she gets very drunk on fairy wine and is dancing around like a fool, realizes that Tamlin is playing the fiddle. Which I found very hot. It was such a beautiful <laughs> scene. I have so many things to say Me about too. this scene. But they steal away from the party, and in the haze of all the midsummer joy, they have a, a really, truly epic first kiss before watching the sunrise together. And Feyre thinks to herself that this is the happiest, happiest moment, moment of, of her, her life. life. Nicely done, Jess. Thank you. That might have been your best one yet. I was nervous. It was a long one. I know. It was a really long one. So let's take it back to chapter 20. Should we cheers before we dive in? Sure. I would like to start with a discussion about Cal and Mai, mm-hmm. because I realized as I was doing a little bit of prep for this episode that Cal and Mai, which is spelled in this series, C-A-L-A-N-M-A-I, mm-hmm. it's actually a derivative of an old, it was Druid and then Welsh. Welsh pagans, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, called Callan Mai, which is C-A-L-A-N space M-I. And it was their version of like a May Day celebration. But it was called Fire Night and it was all about ushering in the new season of fertility and crops. And it's giving midsummer as well. It is, which mm-hmm. is interesting because midsummer is actually summer solstice. solstice. I know, but this is giving more midsummer than the summer solstice party. Although more dancing at the summer solstice party. But it's interesting and I love that Sarah J Mass takes a lot of her inspiration from real different she, she pulls from a lot of different cultural traditions which i think is she really studied interesting. at university or no i don't actually it'd be cool it'd be cool to look up yeah but um but yeah so Kalan mai the welsh holiday 
It's celebrating rebirth, welcoming in the summer season, and it is considered to be a time of year like ripe for divination. Oh. And the veil between worlds, between worlds is, is, is down, and so spirits are allowed to roam freely. And I just thought there was a lot of beautiful parallels between this real pagan well, holiday. Yeah, like this and very it's like rich if, cultural the, if the veil tradition. is down between worlds, it's almost like the veil is down between courts as well in this, because you see... That's exactly the parallel that made yeah. me think of, was, you know, because this stranger says to Feyre, mm-hmm. all the monsters have been, at, been let out to play tonight. Yeah, and I was just like, oh, I I love the way she takes inspiration from these pagan pieces of classic, real yeah. culture and makes turns and them into something whimsical. And it does feel whimsical. very pagan in its description as well. Just the language that she uses in itself. The drum beats came from far away. They were deep. Mm-hmm. They were probing. They were summoning. Yeah, it was. It very much feels like you're being drawn over that something quite primal. Well, and speaking of primal, like the great right is very primal. Which? And I think that that, like we might as well just talk about it. So <laughs> Lucian explains to Feyre that on fire night, on this night, mm-hmm. where also like going back to the real roots of this real festival, Cal and Mai, it was about rebirth. Rebirth and regeneration. And Tamlin is having to regenerate the magic that they rely upon to to live basically because it is what keeps all of them alive in some way this magic and just as an extra point it's probably extra important this year because of whatever the blight is doing because the magic is already weakened exactly and we get various indicators of that throughout these five six chapters excuse me yes of how tamlin magic that would normally be very easy for him is actually causing a significant amount of strain. Well, especially now that we know he's been having to keep a glamour up around everybody for a long time. A while. (laughs) So, but Lucian explains to Feyre that on Fire Night, Tamlin allows great and terrible magic to enter his body. And he is the vessel for that magic, and he has to kill the white stag and then find the maiden and claim her. Which just... We're just going to let everybody (laughs) make their own connection (laughs) find the maiden and claim her in order to (laughs) renew and regenerate the magic that keeps the land alive and they depend on this magic like we said for essentially their survival so yes it is very important but you know what annoys me about this whole thing is if you know sex is supposed to be such a less big deal in the fairy realms it's just a part of life right and sure and it is given and received more freely I feel like than it is in the mortal realm with less judgment and with less connotations mm-hmm. why wouldn't they just tell her what the great right is he's so secretive about everything he is so secretive about everything and I do have a note in here that it's like you know very shitty for her to be cooped up alone with no explanation but one other thing I wanted to make a point about was it's very fitting like you know how the summer solstice normally takes place in the summer court mm. it very much seemed to me like this festival always takes place in the spring court because it is the spring festival. You know, I missed that the summer solstice normally takes place in the summer court, but that oh, would make sense. Oh, I have notes about that too, because <laughs> it sounds fucking fabulous. Would you rather be at Calumni or would you rather be at the summer solstice? Summer solstice. I think so too. We're Leos. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. So yes, I think Tamlin doesn't give Feyre the benefit of the doubt here. He, because I think if they had explained to her what it was from the jump... She would have been happy to stay away. I think she would have been like, okay, great. Can you just send me some food then? And then all of this, the and biting, this and the whole way, it all could have been, it all could have been avoided, although I'm happy that it happened. Everything happens for a reason. <laughs> so, 
since she doesn't know at this point what the great ride is, Feyre is she's being unable. That. Yeah, she cannot resist the call, the lure mm-hmm. of the drums. She of this feels like festival. there is this voice in her head that's telling her to go. There's this string that's pulling her the over string, there. Yes, the string pulling, and she makes her way over. She rides bareback. Go, Feyre. I love that. I know. You and I it's wish. The, we, I why know. Why isn't that my life? <laughs> I want to ride my pony bareback to a fairy festival. One day I will make it happen for us. I I promise you this. (laughs) But she makes her way to Calumni where she finds hundreds of fairies just roaming about. Some of them mosques, some of them mosque-less, like we discussed before. At this point, if I were her, I would start to be like, maybe. Maybe I should have stayed. But our girl Feyre, she's got some balls, and she continues on until... She is met by three menacing strangers, like you mentioned earlier. Nasty. They are scary. And they are also maskless, which means they are from another court. She says they're like spindly, like Mm -hmm. just... Just kind of gross. It it gives you the heebie-jeebies. Yes. The drumming and the descriptions will make it sound very primal what's going on around them. But these three strangers, they pull her away from the party, which we can just say is so scary. Like, she must be terrified right now. And they start grabbing her and making her feel really uncomfortable. And she's starting to panic when she falls over and then strong strong hands pull her up. Strong, strong, broad hands. (laughs) They pull her up and... um, she looks at a man who is the most beautiful man she has ever seen. That is how the chapter ends. But just before she says that, he says, there you are. I've been, I've been looking, looking for you. For you. Who is this mysterious male that saves her? Well, we, we don't quite know yet. We don't quite know, but we do know that he is described as having pale skin mm-hmm. and hair that gleamed like raven's feathers. Mm-hmm. And eyes and he, so deeply blue he, that they were violet. And he oozes, oozes sensuality. grace. And I just have to say, this gave big, big Damon Salvatore. I have the same note in me. <laughs> I have the same note. As a matter of fact, I rewatched the first couple of episodes of the Vampire, of the Vampire Diaries, Vampire recently. Diaries like, recently, and I was just like, oh my god, this is so... Wait, listen to this quote. His voice was like a lover's purr that sent shivers through me, caressing every muscle and bone and nerve. Jesus Christ. I... I'm picturing Damon Salvatore. Who was also introduced in a slightly menacing way as well. Yes. I would love, I mean, God, the dream, right? To one day be able to speak to SJM directly. And I would just be, I would be so curious to know if that played into her mind at all when she was writing this scene. And I wouldn't be surprised if it did because I'm sure we've mentioned this in previous episodes, but I do find little snippets of her writing that reminds me of Lord of the Rings or of Troy. Because she's or, a huge exactly. fan of this genre too. Like <clears throat> before she started writing it, and I think I think most people who end up writing fantasy yeah, romance you draw inspiration they, from a multitude of sources. They grow up as a fan of it, which exactly. is an amazing thing. But it's almost like she can't stop talking to him. She can't decide if she's afraid of him, and yet she is unable to stop asking him questions. They have. And they do have some immediate banter. Mm -hmm. Do I look like I'm from the spring court? That was one of my favorite lines. The noble spring court, I think he says. Something like that. Sarcasm. But the amount of sensual energy that SJM weaves around this new character is thus far unmatched. Besides maybe Lucian. Just for me, personally. (laughs) 
a lot of references to the night around this character. She's like, yes, night, she like, says rippled like night rippled around him, like wafted in his wake, tendrils of night. Mm-hmm. Mm. And eventually, she pulls herself away from him. He he gives her his arm and is like, "Can I escort you back to the party?" And she's like, "Nope, nope." She's like, "You're a problem." <laughs> <laughs> Just gonna go. Damn it! Stay, stay away. Stay away. <laughs> <laughs> And she goes back to the Calumni festivities where she runs into Lucian, who is not pleased. Poor Lucian is just trying to enjoy himself. And he probably wanted to stay at the party and have a little fun. I'm sure he went back and had his fun. After he I mean, deposited her back in her room. <laughs> also, the way that he just tosses her over his shoulder <sighs> and so runs is very hot. It's a very problem. Hot. It's a problem. I know. I understand. I really struggle. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yep, he tosses her over his shoulder like a sack of potatoes mm-hmm. and runs very fast, might I add, mm. back to the mansion. He is high fae. He may not be a high lord, but he is a high fae <laughs> of royal blood. Lest we forget. Lest we forget. Where he then describes what the great right is. We've already had our giggles about that. But Farah is beet red. Is blushing. <laughs> and like, to be fair, that's an awkward conversation. I bet because Camlin and Lucian were both like, well, you you tell her. Because doesn't Lucian literally say, like, no, you well, tell now her. I have to deal with Tamlin smelling you and he's going to go fucking crazy. What <sighs> in my French. And I'm going to have to explain to him why you aren't there while he's in his primal, primal. animalistic <laughs> state of being. I swear we're not 17 years old. So anyway, so Feyre then is like, okay, I'll stay in my room. And what is it about, like when Lucian tells Feyre that Tamlin wants her, because to be honest, like we all knew Everyone in it's the book been knows. Underlying. That has not been said out loud yes, at yeah, yet. Because this is, Feyre and Temlin both have seem, communication. seem to be struggling with struggles. their feelings. <laughs> but what is it so hot about men acting like beasts that is so attractive? I don't know. A problem, but you know what it did remind me of actually when he was running back with her over his shoulder? Mm-hmm. That scene in The Mummy when. Um, when Brandon Fraser tosses what's her face over. Oh my god, on the boat. Yeah, and he's like, don't leave. Stay right here. And she's like, let me out. Although Feyre was more agreeable at this point. Because she was. When she held with the great white right was, she's like, ah. But also but also (laughs) instead of really being afraid for herself, she's pissed that he's like gonna go and find some other woman, female. So then she needs a snack. At about two in the morning, yeah, when the well, je- I think she she anything to distract yourself from let's call it what it is the jealousy. Yeah, you know that, and it's not like it's like maybe my crush is out there with. It's like no, you know she knows what's and she's now she's having to picture it and try really hard not to picture it. So the drums stop and she wakes up immediately and she's like, I'm hungry. So she goes like, down mm-hmm. for a little sneaky snack. Mm-hmm. An effective coping mechanism. And as she's walking back to her bedroom with a, with a cookie. cookie. Food descriptions she sees are, are food descriptions still, still on the oven. Strong. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she runs into a shirtless Tamlin in who is in rare form in the hallway. Oh my god! And <laughs> he has these wells of paint all over him, which 
also reminded me of the mummy because she's like, I can see where someone had touched him because there were smudges that went down oh, below. Oh, his, like, like, when, that, that went below his midriff, might I add. Oh, no. <laughs> and then he pins her up against the wall. Oh, my. And, and, he's, and he's like, and he's like, I smelled you. So Lucian was right. Tamlin did smell Feyre Wait, I have and was driven mad by this. Oh my god, oh and my god. He I said, don't even know if I can he say said, this line out loud. And then you say he it. says, I would have been dead. <laughs> <laughs> you can say it, don't look at me when you say it. <laughs> he says, I would have been gentle with you. Mm-hmm. He says, she asked me not to be gentle with her either, he snarled, his teeth bright in the moonlight. He brought his lips to my ear. I would have been gentle with you, though. I shuddered as I closed my eyes. Every inch of my body went taut as his words. Jessica, you have to stop giggling. <laughs> I would have taken... <laughs> I would have had you moaning my name throughout it all. And I would have taken a very very long time Feyre oh and then her back arches and it's all just too much how red am I actually you're all right this was the first scene where I got a little hot and bothered reading this book like what is this, it, it what just is this kicks... chapter 22 or is this 21 this is 21 like it kicks up a, a notch here and we kind of get into gear a little bit mm-hmm. and she's just teasing us a little bit with yes. what is to come yes and then he bites her. And then he gives her a massive. I don't know about you, but I have been there before. And it's like, dude, what the hell? Can you not control yourself a little bit? Very funny the next morning at breakfast. Oh, when my she God. Goes, when she goes down. I could pick the way that she wrote this scene. I could picture it so clearly like it's just her like coming down t- I, I almost picture her doing like a hmm. and she could even tell like when you can tell when the camera would cut to certain places like she wrote like, it all out perfectly like slouched there like refusing to look but not but not ashamed he's just it's almost like he's not even entertaining it and lucian is like this breakfast banter kills me it is so funny i just see lucian be like tamlin <laughs> and you know what she's so good Why about this Feyre- <laughs> have a bruise on her neck from you and Tamlin just goes I can't be held accountable She's Tamlin going literally to... just goes I bit her <laughs> <laughs> like it ain't no thing amazing stuff and I like this chapter because it's she always does this she has a very intense ending yeah. to a previous chapter and then she will give you a little bit of comic relief and yes. you'll some have levity. some playful some levity you'll have some playful banter and it's a very sweet gesture when he brings her the flowers to apologize. And she realizes that she's not really mad at him. Like, they, yes, they have their course. first little, like, actual, like, lover's spat. Yes, And it's they kind do. of cute. It is cute. And I, and I love when everything gets into sync and mm-hmm. there's, you know, you have your male main character, then you have his best friend, and you always have banter with the best friend. There's a, yeah. There is a formula to these things. Yes. And... At about chapter 22, I would say, we're right on target. Yeah, no, this is the fun part. This mm-hmm. is where it's it's picking up. There's no, like, incoming, like, looming doom or anything on the horizon just yet. Like, this is a bright, a very bright yeah. spot in the timeline, and it's so much fun to read. And I know I say this every time, but these chapters were so fun for me to reread. 
I know. And also because her and I'm writing calling is it, good, I'm too. calling it right now. I think this is just my favorite part of this book. Like, As even, even on the reread. Before I, this shit is, gets dark. Because this is so special. Mm-hmm. It's the first time that she's feeling it's, true happiness. And it's still somehow, there's an element of innocence, I think, at this point in the story. Yeah. Even though Feyre is not an innocent, right? Right. At this point in the story, you're still just full of hope and happiness for these two characters. And because she's they're falling finding, in love for the first time. She's and she doesn't know love. it yet, but she's falling in love. And they are finding happiness in each other, unlike anything either of them have ever experienced mm-hmm. before. And so there's, and so there is this hope that you have for them in the idea that they could be happy together. I love that. I think that's very well said. We actually get two dining scenes. So we have breakfast where we have some comic relief. Well, and then and then there's the dinner where he gets the the dinner where Feyre finally agrees to wear a dress. No, that no. Yes. First, there's the dinner where he gives her the roses, and she says. There's this part where he gives her the roses and she pretends like she doesn't care. Oh, but then she walks away and then, smiling. And she walks away smiling and she makes sure that Alice knows to take care of them yes. and put them in her room. It's the next night at dinner that Alice oh, yes, is like, I don't like, know Are you okay? if I should be worried. Farrah levels up. She wears a dress. Farrah comes down to dinner and Lucian... This is dude, Lucian's best moment. And Lucian song. goes... Maybe in all the books. Well, I'm late for something incredibly important. important. And just walks away. And Feyre is, you know, internally like, how could you, how could you leave me like this? But then. But he knows what he's doing. He Again, does. like, Lucian is Lucian the, this whole, the gold medal. This whole courtship, Lucian is carrying firmly on his back. Literally. Emissary of the Spring Court. He knows what he's doing, man. In politics and in relationships. God, he deserves so much better. So much better. So they're having dinner. And is it? In Beauty and the Beast, do they start off Belle and the Beast by having dinner all the way across a very large I table? I think they do, and then she, but she moves. She moves down towards him. So and this, then she again, decides to drink her whatever it is out of has her hands. Out of her hands to make him feel better. But this, again, was a nice little homage to Beauty and the Beast, this scene. especially oh, I didn't notice that. Especially with mention to the candelabras on the table, <gasps> which I also did not pick I up the first time reading either. this. I swear, this is like my fourth time reading this through, and you find something new every single time. So they start chit-chatting. He moves from one end of the table closer to her by magicking away the middle of it. And you can tell that little bits Excellent. of magic... Excellent verbifying of the <laughs> noun magic, by the way. <laughs> Very well done. Magicking. What can I say? He tells her that it goes somewhere in between worlds when he mm. magics things away. But you can tell that it's taking a bit of a strain on him. There's like some sweat on his neck. Which I He's, found a little <clears throat> bit confusing because like he's had this glamour over her. But if, if you think about it, like maybe that's, that's 20, been going on that's in 24-7. But it's small magic. They explain glamouring as small magic. That throughout seemed, the, see, that seems to me, and it doesn't really matter what I think because I didn't build the world, but <laughs> my I think, thinking about it was that it would be like making a table disappear is for like a minute is way less taxing than having to keep glamour but over I don't think like that he's keeping glamour people. over I think he's keeping a glamour over her not over everybody else her sense of glamour not everybody else's mm. is how I read that but I'm not 100% sure he calls her beautiful for the first time you know and also really, you know it's really Jessica sometimes add, not that hard to make us no it's actually incredibly to easy to make us swoon especially when he grabs her hand with his calloused hands <laughs> <laughs> 
I noticed immediately. My favorite indicator of hotness. Yeah. And then they walk towards the gallery, holding hands the entire time, might I add. I know, it's so sweet. And she doesn't want to let go of his hand, but she I has know, but she to, has to, to unlock, unlock the, the door. door. And then eventually they go in and he is stunned by everything that she's been doing. And she's trying to, to lead him towards certain things that she has chosen to show him. Yeah. But he seems to be more drawn to paintings of her previous life before the spring court. This was a really... Powerful scene. Really moving, intimate, I thought beautiful moment between the two of them and you can feel i think everybody can relate to her like she gets really she's panicking kind of panicked because all of the sudden he's like really seeing this is a really vulnerable thing it it would be like somebody reading your diary yeah or someone listening to your music which i used to get self-conscious about when you know my mom would like go show it to people of course and and so we've this is so relatable. Or even sometimes, like, you and I get really excited about our podcast episodes. Like, but, like, when you watch someone watching it, like, all of a sudden oh you're, God, like, all of a sudden like you're, it? like, okay, that's enough. And <laughs> Feyre is, like, having this moment where all of a sudden he's really seeing her. Mm-hmm. And then there's that last minute piece of your brain that's, like, wait, what if he doesn't like it? Yeah. But he does. Of course he does. I like how he kind of goes through all of them. And he he's saying, and this she doesn't is have your to house. say anything, and he sees her. Small note: when he gets to the one of her and Isaac, he doesn't like that, and he is like, "Oh, this is you two making love," and he is just rippling jealousy, and it's very, I very hot. Love that. I mean, we always do. We are bad feminists. We are bad feminists. It's hot when men are jealous. <laughs> I had that exact note. <laughs> <laughs> What, that we're bad feminists? No, it's not when men are jealous. It is. <laughs> Only at appropriate times. Exactly. And we shouldn't have to explain to you what those are. No. But there is this beautiful moment where he, she's trying to direct him to the pool of starlight, I think. I think that was the one that she wanted yes. him to it, An abstract. Keep. Yes. And he's like, I know what it is. But he picks the one of the woods mm-hmm. where she was hunting at the beginning of this book. She then asks him how she, in this very kind of charged moment, Feyre finally asks him, like, what is going on? How can I help? Yeah. And once again, he doesn't tell her what his burden is. He just only says that she wouldn't survive it. So and I think he believes that. I, he, I think he does too. I think he really believes that it is his and only his responsibility to save everything. I also wanted to talk a little bit more about when he says to her that he wants the painting of her forest, it's this really amazing moment where he identifies the similarity that she had identified a few chapters ago, where she says, I, I started to understand this burden of leadership that he never wanted, that he mm. was never supposed to have. And I understood it because that's what happened to me when I ended up having to carry my family's survival on my shoulders. And he says to her, he says, I've had many lovers. And she feels very jealous And she feels very jealous, <laughs> which is also relatable. Yeah. But he says, none of them ever understood. And it's worth noting that he doesn't say it makes them equals, you know? No, because but you when don't she have to was, have the same, the same things happen to you to understand it. someone's feelings. Correct. But when she was thinking about it before, she was like, of course, he would never, like, of course, it was foolish of me to think that he would mm. ever consider he and I the same in any way. 
And he doesn't say that here. But he does say none of you them ever could... understood. And he identifies that she can, at least to an extent, understand he says, what he has experienced. I think he says something like, they didn't understand what the bad days felt like. And yes. she, and, and that's kind of what it comes down to, is that she she gets that. And I just, I think that's a very vulnerable moment for the two of them. Again, and she's it giving us things. a little, and then she's giving us some levity, and then she's giving us these really this, poignant moments. But this moment <clears throat> tips the scales. Yes, 100%. I think we more, are now, we are now past the point yes. where maybe we can just, this will just be a flirtation and we're just going to be friends. 100%. Like, and I think this is, this is similar vibes now. to the, to the Rose Garden a few chapters back. But at this mm. point there is more that has happened between them. That was very, that was very flirtatious and that was like tension. This is emotional vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And then she doesn't lock her door. And then she doesn't lock her door. And then the chapter ends. <laughs> And then Izzy and Jessica take a sip of wine. <laughs> and so then they go on a real date. <clears throat> Finally. Finally. <laughs> Just the two of them. <clears throat> and they go sans Lucian, as you said in your summaries. Because Farah says Lucian was, had made himself scarce or something. Something like that. And this is, again, a short chapter, but a sweet one. They're sitting in a grassy meadow. And again... SJM is doing a 10 out of 10 job with the descriptions of the world and the whimsy and how gorgeous it is. Uh, and you're, I, I, I have a note here where like, I love the way she marvels at the world. I, I and you know, you, maybe and it's she's because, enraptured Maybe by it's everything. because we haven't deep dived and reread in the same detail the following books as we have this one, but mm. I just noticed that so much more on this reread was how gorgeous the language is, especially in a couple of chapters when we talk about the summer solstice. Oh my mm-hmm. gosh, the way that she describes that, I was literally, I was getting angry. I just got goosebumps. I was getting angry while reading it because I was like, oh my god, I is am never going to be at a party. No. <laughs> it's like I want to be at that party, and I think that you and I should throw one at some point. When we get sure raises, we can. But and when we find a woodland, when we find a there. woodland area that's appropriate, yeah. But it's just going to be full of mortal men. Ugh, yuck. Ew. <laughs> so this chapter does a good job of reinforcing the magic and the mystery that is Prithian. And then Tamlin says that he can make her truly see this world. And and then I, it's very hot when he says he can make her taste this world too. Hot. Indecent. Indecent. And he he lifts her glamour and she is immediately overwhelmed. But but it also like enraptured. Yes. I and mean, again, so that- I love the way that she marvels at the world around her. Mm-hmm. And I think this is the beginning of the moment towards the end of these chapters where she says, I've never believed in a better world before. Yeah. But now I do emotional oh just just you wait because i've got some other things <laughs> packed at the, at the end of this episode i think and then when she looks at tamlin as well i think she says something like my my heart cracked or my heart broke when i looked because at him he because was he was so, so beautiful. beautiful and she didn't think she would ever see anything that beautiful i know but then she tries to take his mask <laughs> moment ruined immediately like, and she's like it's it's like oh huh this isn't coming off <laughs> where's that from really? there is something that Again, you remember how there was like the mm. Legend of Zorro situation a few episodes ago when I was like, when he was flipping over after reading the limericks upside yeah, down, no, I was I like, what is that movie from? This, I'm experiencing oh, wait, no, the you're same right. there is another right now. Is it Shrek? She's, she's like, take off your helmet. And he's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> Remove your helmet. 
Um, no. no. <laughs> I, I do, I'm not see ogres aren't where my head went when I was, <laughs> when I was doing this. When I was reading this, but um, no, maybe it's that. But then, basically, long story short, she. But you're right. The, this the is singing her, of the willow. Basically, it, it was pasta. beautiful. It was levity. It was magic. It was just light and good and happy. And they're just, they're so happy in each other's company. It's reaffirming this sense that they are just becoming a place of solace for each other, which is really lovely. This is where those really important foundations are being built. They're they're starting to really Mm -hmm. gravitate towards each other. Oh, and you know that, like... It's the beginning part where mm-hmm. you're just thinking about them all the time. All the time. And you just want to be with them all the and, time. And every time that you're and sitting there in your apartment by yourself doing. thinking about some offhand thing that they said, you just can't keep the smile off of your face yeah. and your cheeks hurt all the time. Oh, it's so much fun. And you, just, and you just literally don't ever want to hang out with anyone else. Ever. It's the Except best. for you. I would always want to hang out with you. Well. That goes without saying. Obviously. 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 And then she falls asleep because she is so overwhelmed by the glamour that has been lifted. One thing that I did notice, he goes... <laughs> it made me think of that that clip that's everywhere on the internet right now from Nick of Nick Miller from New Girl. When they're both like freaking out over Prince. Well, and, like, then <gasps> Nick, and then Nick Miller just drops, drops to down the floor. to the floor. I read this more as a kind of floating No, you're correct. Off. That is what it is, but it's just funny... To then also think of the Nick think Miller of new that. Girl. All right, so chapter twenty-four. Mm. <clears throat> she awakes. I was cackling rereading this. Was this was very funny because you know Tamlin could have given her a warning. He could it's have been honestly, like, by the way, I'm so going to lift the glamour now. But instead, he she but just once again <laughs> Tamlin's communication skills not Stella. So she wakes up and suddenly there is a very lively bustling court all around her. Yes, as you mentioned before, the uh, the empty manor is not so empty. This would actually be a be horrifying so realization. And it was really funny reading it because of the scary. way that SJM framed everything. But it would be, it'd be I would be humiliated. <laughs> I would be like... I think I'd be scared first. Do you know how differently I act when I think nobody <laughs> is looking at me? I think you and I are pretty aligned in this. Like, if I found out that all those times I thought I was alone, I was actually probably surrounded by at least six other beings... I would be like thinking back over the last however many months I've been living in this <laughs> manner and done things like pick wedgies when I think nobody is looking. It's very tough for Feyre in this moment. I think she, she goes outside. She takes it in stride. She takes it much better than I would. We do find out something important. Is So we were able to see um, the Puka, mm-hmm. the Naga. Because they were from other they courts. They were from other courts. And the cereal doesn't belong to any court. That, that just belongs to Prithian. That is why she was unable to see anybody right. that was in the spring court. But, and she couldn't and see the actor because Tamlin, like, actively decided to examine exactly. her. This is also where we get, it's kind of a, a subtle but a significant world-building moment where the only fae and fairies that we have seen thus far have been quite humanoid, and now now. But there. but they were never actually that way. Tamlin, mm-hmm. she realizes that Tamlin was doing this. Remember how terrified she was already when she came oh, to Prithian? Oh, can you imagine? Like, he was, I'm just going to say this for Tamlin, he was in the right to do this for her. I agree. And it was actually a very, very compassionate thing for him to do. Because 
as terrified as she was anyway, can you imagine? I, I actually don't think she would have left her room. No, and I think it would have taken us a lot longer to make half the progress we've made yes. in their relationship. Yes. If, if he had But I don't even think done. he was thinking in his own self-interest no. that way. I think he genuinely was like, she cannot Because Tamlin is a compassionate this. person. Like, Tamlin he is. means well. Yes. So she goes out to the garden where there are lots gonna, of little gonna, bee fairies. And she's going to paint outside. Can I just last like oh, I know painting out in a beautiful garden on a where sunny there's day. Fairy, cheerful little fairy creatures all around. The real world sucks. Her world also sucks when suddenly I'm, I think I forget yeah. how exactly it happens. I don't. She stumbles she's over. Drive, her head. She's dragging her easel easel outside outside, and I think the line is. I found a head in the garden the next day. It's like impaled on a statue it of a heron. stuck on a statue, yeah. And Lucian has to climb up the statue and remove the severed head, again emphasizing the need for a raise. As she is stumbling away, some, some broad hands clasp her shoulders. Mm, always. Why does she know? Um, she, gets to get, she gets to be <laughs> caught by a lot of broad hands, <laughs> does Feyre. <laughs> What is it also about when men, when they always describe it as they brush their thumb, like an emotion over your, stop. We simply don't have time to go down that <laughs> rabbit hole right now. But Lucian noticed, notices that the head has a sigil on it of a mountain and yes, three stars branded, branded behind his ear or something like yes. that. The, the High Night Lord Court. of the Night Court. Would find this to be amusing. And we start, this is the first descriptor the first of another court that we've heard besides the summer, Autumn Court and, briefly and the Summer and Court. Summer. Um, and a very different tone taken. Suddenly it's like they're all, I think I think he calls them like monsters. Sadistic killers. Sadistic killers. Yes. Lucian says the, all, the whole Night Court are sadistic killers. And it's looking like the villains thus far are twofold. And when there is Tamlin, a mysterious she. And when Tamlin utters the words, it's the night court, Feyre notices he says it almost too quietly. Hmm. Meaning that there is some kind of history. Not to quote Taylor Swift, but sounds like bad blood to me. The villains thus far, she, this mysterious she. And now, about, and, and now, now the night court. The night court. The very menacing, scary sounding The one in the north, if, you know, if her memory of the mural serves her correctly. The they Scottish are the one. Highlands. They bring her back inside. Um, I think that Tamlin tells her that he was a this child a downer, when the war ended. Right? Like, yes. everybody, everything has been very whimsical mm-hmm. and romantic and great. And this is, this is a downer. Yeah. Well, again, ebbs and flows. But still, everything happening is serving a purpose. Like, none of this felt like filler or fluff to me. I felt like I was needing, I felt like I needed to glean something significant from all of these moments when reading it for the first time Mm -hmm. and for the second time. Yeah. The chapter ends with, you know, them going, I don't know if they go back inside, but she has a little bit of internal monologue. She says she couldn't bring herself to paint that day. She couldn't bring herself to paint and Tamlin notes that he was a child when the war ended. And the humans were slaves. He says he's happy he can't fully remember it. Yeah. And Feyre does say that she feels like Tamlin has never made her feel like a prisoner. Well, and he says, she asks him if he remembered whether or not the humans were happy to leave. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, they, they were scared. 
because they didn't know what to expect in the mortal realms. They'd never even experienced yeah. the seasons as you do. Oh. But they were, for the most part, he said, yes, happy to be free. And Feyre tells him, you know, without him ever having expressed this kind mm. of, like, fear or weight, she says to him, you're not your father or your brother's. Which is very insightful of her. And I'm also guessing well. it's probably the first time anyone has He's actually ever said, said that, that to him. him. And because as much as we love Lucian and as close as they are, it doesn't seem like the kind of thing that he well, would but offer they, up. And Lucian and Tamlin carry the same baggage. And Not they both, and like, and you yes. can't free somebody from baggage that you also carry with you every day. You can relate to them. Yeah. And that's good too. That's necessary too, to have someone that you can speak with and feel like really actually understands what you're talking about. But I think everyone can relate to a moment where someone else, someone completely from the outside. And sometimes it's easier that way. Looking at you and saying, it's, it's a fresh, you, this, it's a fresh this, set of eyes. This thing that you're afraid of, you don't need to be afraid of because it's not real. Yeah. And it's not happening to you. And like that, that's such an important, intimate moment, no matter what form it takes in your life. And it's a stepping stone to the next level of any kind of relationship you have, whether it's romantic or whether it's a friendship. Yeah. Or a mentor, anything. Like, that moment is a very important stepping stone to growing more as a duality. Someone seeing and liberating you from a fear that you have not even been able to express is a very profound thing. Oh my god, I just got chills. Like, it is a profound (laughs) thing to be seen and understood like that by someone else. Mm -hmm. So... So I kind of love that the chapter chapter ends like that. Mm -hmm. Because... And he can't even even say anything in response. And so what we need, after a realization like that, is a party! party. (laughs) (laughs) So preparations for the summer solstice party are in Full swing. Oh my god, Isabel. There's a whimsical gown involved. There are flowers in everyone's hair. Oh my gosh. It sounds, my note here, the summer solstice sounds lit. Lit. (laughs) It's not fair. But I also just want to say, I also just want to (laughs) say, so, okay, so Feyre gets dressed up. And I actually, I have another, I have another moment here where. With help from Alice. But you know what? I think it's worth noting that. Feyre is looking at herself in the mirror and yes, she is and being, she's seeing someone beautiful. She is so Watching kind her. to herself. She doesn't say I was no she says I was no beauty, but I was like healthy and happy looking and I felt pretty. She just feel like she's not at the very beginning of this book, she couldn't bear to look at herself in the no, mirror at all. She actually just sat there and counted her ribs and thought about how skeletal she was. And now, like, and now she feels she feels good in mm-hmm. her body. She's being kind to herself. There's no stress. She's not thinking about how anybody's going to be eating her. Like, <laughs> I'm serious. Do you remember how we used every, to have to sit through there and like every other sentence was, was like, like what if they gnashing of teeth and skin me alive and pluck me like a chicken? Like, <laughs> no. Now she's just, she's. She is, you know, she is a girl getting ready for a party, for which a is party. the most elite form of self-care, might I add. There's nothing, the getting ready for the party is always more fun than the actual party. Especially if it's with like two to three other girls. 
And it would and be even better if you had people who were like a, like a glam stuff, squad. A glam squad. Oh my God, yeah. yes. Do a, and that's music playing and you have a little glass of wine while mm. it's all happening. One thing I did notice at the beginning of this chapter, which gave me quite the giggle. Mm. So we get a small amount of additional context as to where Alice comes from. We find out how people are called the Eurisk. And I have no idea if I am pronouncing that correctly. It's spelled U R I S K. This is the first time I is there I noticed is there it. an umlaut over the no, U? No, there's not. Okay, but I did a quick Google just because I was like, I don't know what this word is. <laughs> uh, that's, so, that is that is a dangerous I'm game. So glad I did. Oh, God, <laughs> because what came up is that an urisk is um a type of house goblin in fact wikipedia actually says that it's a household spirit or hobgoblin hobgoblin (laughs) scottish folklore alice is a hobgoblin yeah that is well you know she's not i'm sure that sjm is using what like hobgoblin seems to me like the non-politically correct term for what a a, household spirit for a (laughs) urist I feel like a urisk so, would be offended if you called them a hobgoblin. <laughs> I mean, the word hobgoblin is unfortunate. It is. It's from Scottish folklore, and they are said hobgoblin. to come. They are said to come out at night while the owners of the house are asleep and perform various chores and farming tasks. So again, like SJM, I don't know if she. I mean, I'm sure this is not. Unpopular. Well, okay. So like Kalenmai, exactly. This is she a really beautiful example of where SJM is clearly very well versed. In cultures and mythologies from all of the like all of the regions Mm -hmm. of the world, I love that she's pulled this in. Um, I know. However, I just really reject. I refuse to call Alice a hobgoblin. Mrs. Potts is not officially state for the record that I do not subscribe to the use of the term hobgoblin for Alice's people. To be fair when you do a google search and you look at images like they don't seem scary they just seem a little rougher around the edges than maybe we were imagining alice to be well at first well that's because alice Her, appeared as a high fae under right. the glamour and really she has skin like bark this is another like one tree of bark things, yeah but she just sounds very she's very warm and homey and cozy she sounds like a wood like a woodland, a woodland creature. A wood sprite, you know, something I like that. I love the word sprite. The gown that she wears is very whimsical. It just sounds all like cornflower blue. Oh, She's God. got flowers woven into her and hair. And she goes downstairs and she, oh, and she, and, 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 and Lucian, Lucian, and he goes, Lucian is, Lucian is like, oh my God, you look positively well, no, fake. No, and she does, doesn't even she, care what no, he's saying. What she says is he goes, cauldron, boil me. <laughs> First of all. <laughs> She looks positively <laughs> fey, and Feyre doesn't even care. I know, because she's and just she, looking at Tamlin. And because she only has eyes for Tamlin, and he's smiling at her. And this and is when we get the iconic. Lovely. I know, which is so sweet. I, I imagine, like, a girl coming down to prom. It's the it's scene. It's the scene! <laughs> and you all know what we're talking about. We have no further comment. But this is when we get the iconic, unfortunately, for, for you, you and, and your neck, neck line. And then Feyre <laughs> looks at him and says... Do you lie awake at night to come up with your witty replies for the following day? Again, the banter, 10 out of 10. And their friendship <laughs> is really, like, this is, like, they're friends. I love it. I love it! It's wonder. like, I'm telling you, these chapters were so joyful I to know. reread. 
So then they actually make it to the party. Which sounds like, okay, we get a lot of questions, I feel like, about, oh, like, why are you really, you're into this? Like, mm-hmm. why do you, like, what's so great about it? This chapter and this scene, it's to me, just really embody everything that this genre is that makes this genre the greatest genre it's almost better than some of the relationships you read about the magic and the fantasy Mm. in this scene it's euphoric it's beautiful she is completely carefree Carefree. she has shed no every bit of fear and self-loathing and guilt or embarrassment it's all gone she's just having fun free and full of joy and wonder at this world that she didn't even think was possible and the beautiful part about this chapter is we are getting all of those descriptions of her and how her personal growth has made her feel like that and it is matched completely by her physical surroundings surroundings and how absolutely breathtakingly gorgeous they sound it is at the edge of a wood everyone's in bare feet there are streamers everywhere there's music and dancing there's floating lights everywhere and and there is fairy wine which which sounds like the most incredible form of intoxication anyone could ever provide because yeah she was drunk but she wasn't like making I don't think that she was making a fool. I think she was just having an amazing time. She was completely safe the entire time. Well, the description that I read did not sound like being drunk to me. It sounded like something something else. (laughs) I also have that note, but I don't know if we're allowed to say it out loud. You know, we'll just say that and leave it there. (laughs) I also just had a brief note that I have to say, um, Lucian without the glamour because she sees him for the first time. Oh my God. I'm so glad you brought this up because also... (laughs) I, I actually she says, can I just read I have a quote. Can I read yeah, it out? Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Can I read it out? I actually have the note, I was incredibly weak. That's me. Not, <laughs> not Feyre. His. Oh, you were incredibly weak. I was incredibly you weak. You said I wrote it down and then you no, said I was Okay, so here's, here's the quote. His auburn hair burned like hot metal and his eye smoldered like a bottomless forge. I mean, cauldron boil me. <laughs> I'm, I'm, also, I'm on. I don't know where well. he says it, Wait, but he also on. says cauldron boil and fry me at one point. He does. <laughs> I think that might be a cow in my when he finds her in there. But I have a note here that when he says tonight's just a party, you know, luckily for her and her neck, there is singing and dancing, excessive drinking and dallying with a wicked grin. It's the wicked court? grin for me. Yeah. It has connotations. Because you know that nobody can give a wicked grin like, like Lucian Van Sarah. A problem. If there are any other Lucian girlies out there, we would love to hear Please from you. Please DM because us. We I should feel honestly like, FaceTime. I feel like we don't hear from this subsect of the community enough. But I love her imagery in this. I have one quote that I wrote down in my notes. I was as unburdened as a piece of dandelion fluff. Yes. And he was the wind. And he was the wind. That stirred me about the world. So this is when she starts, because so she's drank the fairy oh, wine. And she's just and dancing she's just away. Dancing. And poor Lucian is supposed to be her minder. And, and then, and she's and like, she notices. And she's like, why are you so serious? Yes. 
And then, well, first she goes, like, Jesus Christ. I'm going to paint you. (laughs) Which is a very relatable drunk moment it's somehow yeah you and i have I would never definitely say that, that to anyone we would say like, something else equally yeah. as irritating when and lucian is like actually i think this is when he says cauldron boil and, and fry, fry me, me. <laughs> <laughs> and then so she dances away in front of the musicians and she realizes one of the musicians yeah. is actually tamlin and does is he shirtless no he's Again? not shirtless but he's playing the fiddle playing and the this fiddle. as someone who was an orchestra girly. Okay, well, as someone who has been very appreciative of male musicians <laughs> her whole life. That's also true. There's, 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 um, this is... there's, a, there's a note that she writes on, just the strong column of his neck was exposed. And it was a little sweaty as well. <laughs> and then he releases Lucian. He's like, He says she fun. doesn't need a mind or go have fun. And like, about time. Mm-hmm. If you're not going to give him a raise, at least give him a day off. Let him go dally. I volunteer as tribute. <laughs> Same. <laughs> and then she and Tamlin start dancing. And it is so unburdened and it is so beautiful. Like, and her feet are bare and he's smiling as well. And she's not a very good dancer, but he's making her a good dancer. And I just I have to throw a little bit of a of a splash of cold water over this conversation because you and I have been reading that well, not exactly this, but like <laughs> this light. Yes. Since we were like 11, 12 years old. Mhm. Very rude awakening when our first kiss, or at least mine. I guess I can't speak for you. <clears throat> While you're dancing with a boy? Yeah, not like this. Horribly, crushingly. <laughs> Just not the despairingly same. not this. <laughs> when you've been building this yeah. up in your mind for years. I've been reading this since I was like 11, 12 years old. <laughs> I didn't have my first kiss till I was almost 16. And you can imagine my disappointment <laughs> when it happened, not in a beautiful glen surrounded by will-o'-the-wisps <laughs> with a tall broad shouldered stop saying broad golden haired man <laughs> strong jawed male talent unrealistic he he leads her away from the party and he makes sure in a non-menacing only, way in a non-menacing way and he is making sure that she's only stepping on grass because she had her feet all bare and then they make it to this a glen as you mm-hmm. mentioned before and the actually the will of the wisps even though they're not described in the same way, but they kind of reminded me of the of the will of the in Avatar, the the glowy <gasps> things that come down oh, from the, the sky. Spirits. And then I don't know when this was written, if it was off to two thousand and eight. But I swear, I read things in SJM's book sometimes, mm. and I'm like, they must have come from various fantasy. Which is films. also amazing because, like we said, I love, I love that it. authors of this genre are also fans of this genre, yes. and it makes you feel connected to them. And then they have that kiss and I you and I have slightly different yeah opinions no and, and I'm with you the first time that I read this mm-hmm. back in 2022 I had a reaction much more similar to yours and then the second time I read it I had a reaction much more similar to yours reading the scene <laughs> the starlight pool starlight pool so I was like what no that's so interesting <laughs> so I actually the part where he kisses her at first and then she's like, 
that's it. I relate very much to that because I'm actually pretty sure I've done that exact same thing. <laughs> that's it? The entire kiss took less than two pages. It's just the first kiss. All I'm saying is that normally in the greatest genre, in any of these That's books, only if the first kiss is also the first... No. Other thing. Not necessarily. The chapter finishes with her saying it was the happiest moment of my life. And damn, if that didn't just break my heart a little bit, it was so sweet. Well, and also the moment where she looks at Tamlin and she says, my father once told me to let my sisters believe in a better world. And I and told him the there was time. no such thing. This is the first and time she the feels first that time. way. I've believed that I was, could be true. And I will say this. I was deeply moved by the very end of this chapter. Well, because you're she right. Is she that. is falling in love for the first time. And that is a powerful, yes. moving, transformative experience. Yeah. And it's really, really special. And it was a joy to read. I, I'm calling it right now. This is my favorite part of this book. Isolating it from the rest of the series. Mm-hmm. This part of this book is, in my opinion, perfect fantasy romance. Yes, I would agree with that. It is everything you hope for when you start one of these books. Just pure joy reading Mm -hmm. it. It's not overly complicated. It's not overly simple. You're just like, this is exactly what I wanted on a hungover Sunday, which is exactly when you gave it to me and I finished it in one day. (laughs) Amazing. And that brings us to the end of 25. Brings us to the end of our chapter discussion for the day. And it was a joy. I've missed this. I have to. I'm glad we're back. So this is everybody's warning. Big warning. We are about to transition into the spoiler section. And we have a lot, like, truly, truly, we've, we've had spoiler, spoiler light in the past. This is big spoiler. Like, we will, we are about to ruin a whole lot of stuff. So it's time for you to say bye-bye. If it is your first read into Akatar, we cannot express how much we love this We're journey so you. happy you're We're here with so us. We're so excited for you. This is actually my favorite episode but so you, far. But you deserve to experience everything for the first time just like we did. So please exit the podcast now and come back for the next one. We love you. We love you. Welcome to our spoiler section. Woo! Are you ready, Jess? I have a number of notes. Okay. <laughs> Where would you like to begin? So I'll begin with something very small that I, I'm going to go linearly again. Yes. From chapters 20 to 25. So we start off right after we have seen the actor. Yes. Well, we haven't seen him. Yes. Farah hasn't seen him. But but she painted she paints something. Paints him. Uh, or it. We don't know if it's a female or a male or whatever. So she has this uncanny ability to picture the actor, which I did not notice the first time or the second time. Because of the glamours. Because, because well, they can see through the, except for Elaine, apparently. But like, wait, so later you on. You think it's because of the, wait. Remember, because the glamour, she couldn't see the actor and yeah. the actor couldn't see her because of the glamour. Yes. And Tamlin's glamour didn't work on Nesta either fully. So that's not what I think it is. I think oh. it's because of her mating bond with Grace. He knows what it looks like and she has this uncanny <gasps> ability to paint it. And I looked up the description of oh. the actor when she first sees yeah, it later she's on. Right. And it's she's ex- right. It's it's not exact, but it is very similar to how she paints this. And I just freaking love when SJM does shit like that. When you're mm. when you're going back and you're rereading it and you're like, oh my god, no sentence was by mistake. Because 
I just barreled right through that the first time. Didn't even think, oh, why is she able to picture it when she didn't, I guess, through its voice? Anyway, yeah, I think that's why it is. Well, it's the same way, like, when we read the description, like, when we read how the boggy... (laughs) (laughs) When we read how the boggy made her feel, (coughs) right? Mm. We immediately Mm. were like, oh, it makes me think of a Dementor. Like, oh, it makes me think of this. It makes me imagine that. Like, the way that she felt... Yes. ...made her think of this creature. But you're absolutely right. It is uncanny when she sees the Ator eventually... How pretty spot on she is. Oh, I love that theory that it's her mating bond with Reese. And another very tiny note that that I noticed. After they've had that encounter in the hallway, once, you know, he's been all animalistic and biting her. If we're going linearly, then we need to back up. Oh, the the string? Well, first of all. Calum nine. And the tall... Stranger, who's the most beautiful man she's ever seen. Okay, at Reese. Thank God we can finally say it. It Jesus was so Christ. hard during the discussion not to say Reese. So, second, first time reading through, didn't notice anything. Second time reading through, also didn't notice anything. Third time, while I was prepping for this episode, there is a lot of language that SJM sneaks into the sentences leading up to her leaving her bedroom, going to Calumni, that all like total indicators to the mating bond. Yes. There is, there are a couple of quotes that I pulled out. One is, there was a string, a string tied to my gut that pulled me towards those hills, commanding me to go to hear the fairy drums. That is literally the tug of her mating bond pulling her over there. Oh, absolutely. There's also, and it's so cool knowing now reading it. It is so fun to reread once you know. that Because he came there looking for... Like, when he says, there you are, I've been looking for you. Oh, my God. It's because Swoon. he has been looking for her. Literally. He has been dreaming yes. about her for years. Since since before she... Since before she came to Prithian. Yes. I think I think she was, like, 17 or something when she first started having, like, the dreams. She started wanting to paint. Yes. And, I mean, she's always loved to paint, but when she actually painted the... Yeah. The... Chest of it's drawers. like since they've been living in that That, hovel. I think, was when Reese first made it into her dreams. Yes. There's also a couple of other lines that I pulled out. A wild, wicked voice weaving in between the drum beats whispered otherwise. Go, that voice said, tugging at me. Go see. It is mm. literally a voice in her head telling her to go and look. And to, like, go Does find. that not also make you think of Reese's powers? A little bit as a so is it demon? How, how do you say it? I'm glad you asked because since we're talking about Reese's powers, because I do think even if Reese didn't know it was a mating bond, mm-hmm. he does have the ability to send out his thoughts. I think it's Demati. Is is how Demati a Demati Demati? Okay, so diving into Reese's introduction, mm-hmm. just off of physical description alone. Being a very, very big tog stan. I could not help but be struck by the similarities between he and Maeve. That's a theory that I've been, I've been I'm, I'm gonna a read. Bit. I'm going to read some yeah. pieces here for you. Okay, hit me. So, as I said earlier, he's described as blue eyes so deep they were violet, mm-hmm. pale has. skin, and hair that gleamed like raven's feathers. An air of fire... Throne of Glass, book three. Mm-hmm. We meet Maeve for the first time. She is described as having starry, violet eyes 
raven hair. Oh, God. And pale skin. Sound familiar? She is also described in a moment when Rowan makes the blood bond to Aelin. Mm -hmm. She's like, the world had faded away. It was just Rowan and I. And even Maeve faded away to just a shadow lurking behind us. In all of Feyre's dreams. She's very particular about the language that Reese she uses. Is a, there, there is There's a, a shadow, shadow that is watching. Lurking. Yes. Behind. And we know now that that is Reese mm-hmm. being a part of her dreams. Because we know that SJM doesn't do anything, anything without by intention. Accident. She is so intentional with every single little descriptor that she uses. So there's a couple of theories here. The one that I subscribe to the most is that there is a distant connection between Reese and Maeve. There is a slightly more unhinged theory. Love the use of the word unhinged. That Maeve is actually Reese's sister. Wait, what? You are dropping that on me in real time right now? How? I guess. Because. I guess the walls don't so have think a. Of, time, time and space separates them. They never, right? Reese and his father never saw the bodies. They never even saw the wings, which, yes. a, which, which apparently and, were kept in the spring court and Tamlin and, and Tamlin even cremated them. to find the wings. But Tamlin in, cremated them. In Aquawal, yes. Which was actually mm-hmm. an act of respect. However, this is all very alleged. Now so listen, it, so it, listen. The descriptions are listen, listen, listen. In, Thro- in Tower of Dawn, mm. the spiders describe Maeve talking about then a queen appeared. She wasn't born she appeared, her power a new dark song in the world. And Maeve's power is also described as a dark, unnamed power, a darkness that could devour the stars. And it's the fact that the word stars. They both we use. have their their power is both likened to darkness, darkness and, and night. night. If this theory turned out to be true, it actually the timelines would line up because Reese's sister died. You know, hundreds, hundreds of, of years, years before the moment of the events that are unfolding in Akatar. Maeve has been Queen of the Fae for hundreds of years. And when Aelin falls... For some reason I thought when it was thousands, Aelin, but that could be so wrong. When Aelin falls through the worlds, worlds yeah. it's when Feyre is pregnant. So it's not... The timelines could line up, potentially. The only because, thing I'm not because, seeing... Because, okay. even if even if it was thousands, remember... It doesn't mean anything. Like that time doesn't and space mean anything. Separating worlds. The only thing that I is giving me pause is the fact that the yes, the initial description I totally agree sounds hell of a lot like Maeve, but the only reason he is so pale is because he is under the mountain for fifty years because he's half Illyrian. Yeah, and the Illyrians he, have a darker yeah. complexion. That's true, but it's also said here that Maeve. It's documented in Throne of Glass that Maeve chose her form. Mm. So the physical... At the end of the day, none of this means anything. SJM I was going to say, so, so the other sort of side of this theory is that Maeve isn't related to Reese, but maybe she encountered an ancestor of oh. Reese's, and she chose her form based on that. But if that's the case, who was it and why? And how did she manifest powers so similar to... And the way that they des- the way that Aelin in Air of Fire describes mm. Maeve a talon scraping against her is, mind is almost exactly, exactly the same way that- the same way Feyre describes the first time. And we're gonna in a in mm-hmm. all. And I think maybe the next episode actually get, yes because we get when Reese comes comes, and he comes breaks into her mind 
and it is literally like Talon scraping against the walls of Heimlein. And yes. That's, and actually, she uses and that, that description the that, entire way that through. That cannot be a coincidence. No. She I wouldn't know, use that What same we one. know for a fact is that there is a connection between Reese and Maeve. Now that we know that all of these worlds all connected. are in the same universe, mm-hmm. sort of stacked on top of each other, loosely connected in some way, but not bound by space or time. There is some kind of connection between Maeve and Reese, and then by extension, the Starborn Fae in Midgard. And the Night Court in general. Yes. Like, it all kind of originates up there in the north. Yes. And speaking of the Night Court, this is a small note that I had, but now that we know that Tamlin and Reese used to be very close in their, mm-hmm. in their youth, when... Lucian and Tamlin are talking about the Night Court when that mm. head shows up and there's the sigil with its Ram, is it Ramiel and the three stars. Yes. They're talking about the Court of Nightmares when they're speaking about the atrocities that the Night Court commits and they're all murderous. The court that Reese allows the rest of Prithian to believe is his. Exactly. And it's just, it, it's interesting to me that I think that Tamlin truly considered Reese a friend back in those days. But Reese he's, clearly didn't consider Tamlin quite the same because otherwise maybe he would have said something about Valaris. If he allowed Tamlin to believe that that's who he really is, then that friendship wasn't as deep as we thought. And I think I think I said this in previous episodes, there is a lot about that relationship and about those two families that, that we, we do not know yet. yet. And I think I can't wait for the next book, but we're going to have to wait a while because we're getting even, CC3 next There's but. even that moment, I think it's in Frost and Starlight maybe, when he goes back to the spring court after everything. and, and I think he goes once and in Frost in, and Starlight. He goes multiple times in, in Silver Flames. And Tamlin is just wasting. He's just spending wasting more away. time in his beast form mm-hmm. than in his fae form. And yeah, at one point, he's he hasn't used his voice in a long time, and it's really gravelly because he's just been living as a beast, and his entire court has abandoned him, which is so sad. And, and I'm reading here. and reading these chapters makes it even tougher to think about the way that he is in and later I, books. And I know that a lot of people have really, really negative, strong opinions about Tamlin. And And I went through that cycle as well. Well, and he makes mistakes. Seriously. He makes mistakes. Huge ones. But so does Reese. Mm -hmm. And to your point, knowing what we know now, I understand Tamlin feeling really betrayed and lied to by Reese. Because remember, when Tamlin (coughs) was out there in the band of warriors, he wasn't the heir yet. No. He was trying... To just exist and make peacefully and, and find relationships <coughs> with people that he didn't his feel like were going to brutalize him or threaten him all the time. Yes. And I actually think at one point he felt like Reese was like his best friend. I agree. Which and is I under, so heartbreaking. And I understand mm-hmm. the betrayal and the resentment and the bitterness that he feels towards Reese, Especially knowing also that... At this point, everybody in Prithian thinks that Reese is just fucking Amarantha mm-hmm. and not giving a shit about anything else. Listen, and then and you I throw know, in a woman who two people love as well. Like, it's tough. This is so much more complicated, and I will die on this hill, than just Tamlin is a bad guy I at this complete, point. I completely agree, because Reese is not perfect. No. He's and I have some saint. serious notes for Reese in Silver Flames in particular. Absolutely. Shall we? No. 
No. We'll save it. Later, we'll do that. <laughs> We're already we'll get, we'll get at a dangerously flames. long amount of time. We'll, we'll get into Silver Flames another time. But it's I all think... worth mentioning, though, 100%. It's not black and white. No. And I just did think it was interesting, that little indicator to... It's the first mention of the Court of Nightmares without us knowing it is the first mention of the Court of Nightmares. I did think about City. that. This reputation mm-hmm. that the Night Court has. And, and we'll go into this a lot more the next episode. And <clears> knowing knowing that that is not the true nature of the real night court but it is a little like reese gatekeeps a lot and tamlin gets a lot of actually for gatekeeping information from from thank you for making that point because they actually have that in common they do tamlin reese doesn't get much from her he doesn't reese doesn't gatekeep from pharah as much but he gatekeeps from his entire he's the high lord of an entire court Mm -hmm. and the only piece of it that he really gives a shit about. Is Valaris. Is Valaris. And he's got the biggest court in Prithian. Mm-hmm. Just worth noting. Let it be also so. stated for the record. That we love Reese. We love Reese. <laughs> we stan Faisand. They are the OG stan. Hondo P. But I think that nope. the best part about this is that you are able to critique something and also love it at the same time. And, and so Reese it makes it a has always book. been meant to be morally gray. Yes. Which is interesting because Tamlin is presented in this book not morally gray. In this book, he's presented. In this book, as he is presented good. as this white hat, sacrificial hero, mm-hmm. trying to bear the weight of everyone's survival on his shoulder. Like it's very interesting. I agree. And speaking of Tamlin, yes, we should talk, should we about, talk about this about the, kiss. Should we? Well, okay. Oh. I have a note about the neck bite. Oh, don't remind me because it makes me think of another light-haired female biting the neck of a certain other heroine. In Arafaya. At the beginning <laughs> of their relationship. <laughs> Against a tree, was it? <laughs> okay, I forgot about that until this exact moment. Oh my god, it was the first thing I thought about when I reread this. I was like, oh my god, it's like Rowan and Aelin. Now I need to go read reread that scene. Thank you very much, Jessica. Here I come. <laughs> Oh, I love that. I did not immediately notice notice that parallel. It's very primal. It's very possessive. It's very hot. Isn't Rowan doing it to elicit some kind of reaction out of her, though? He's trying just to feed, get... No, she she starts beating him up again for some, <laughs> some reason. reason Because Aelin is just dealing with a lot, a lot of anger. Understandably. At the time. Yes. And she's not even going by Aelin at that point. She's, she's going still going by Selena. Yeah. And, um... And Rowan sort of lets her believe that she's winning and then pins her up against a tree and bites her to remind her that she is no match for him. And then he feels, and then when he finds out that she has a man back in Mm -hmm. Adderland because she's toying with the ring that Kale gave her, Mm -hmm. he's immediately sheepish and apologetic and very like suddenly not claiming her he's just very he he just backs down immediately and is very he's like i never would have done that to you had i known because that's a very possessive <sighs> and very thing respectful which is very hard the fact that he did it in general regard knowing what it means to the fae the fact that he did it in general is actually like rowan come on my guy let's be honest about why you really did it <laughs> <laughs> You didn't do it because you were pissed. <laughs> it was a claiming, mm. if you will. A primal urge. 
You just couldn't seem to fight. Jessica, don't say the word Udge Sorry. in front of me. Please, at this time. Okay, um, so okay, should we talk yes. about... Wait, I want to talk about the summer solstice a little bit. So we touched on this at the beginning. Okay. But now that I can say the word Tarquin... <laughs> <laughs> can you... Like, Callan Mai sounds very, like, witchy and spooky and fun. Mm-hmm. Was there but a the word for summer solstice or no? It no, was just summer solstice. it's the solstice. Okay. Can you imagine the annual summer solstice party at Tarquin's like seaside palace. Okay. Do you or do you not think that Tarquin would put on a fucking banger I, of a summer but solstice here's, party? Here's what I do agree with you. Tarquin goes harder than Tamlin. Yeah! <laughs> Thank you. Why did you even fight me on this? At the I just don't see it as like a boat It's party. like a white party. <laughs> People do wear white on Midsummer. I don't want to take away from how beautiful this description was. I'm not at all. So much. I'm not at all. I can't even imagine it being anywhere else. Can you? But like, this also takes me to like living in Prithian would be so cool. Imagining it post all of the upheaval, everything happening the way it's supposed to be happening. Celebrating Kalanmai in the Spring Court. Celebrating Summer Solstice in the Summer Court. God knows what they do for Halloween in the Autumn Court. Samhain. The winter solstice, Jesus. the winter solstice in Goliath's court. Like, how fun would it be to just exist in that world? Okay, your point is taken. I agree with all the things that you just said. Tarquin definitely goes harder than Tamlin, and it would be incredible if we were in the summer court for this. Okay, now can we talk about that And, kiss? like, steel drums. Yes. Okay, all right, fine. We can talk about the kiss now. Are we reading this, Jessica? There is, it is one paragraph, the kiss. I'm not trying to take I am not trying to take away from the fact that she said it is the happiest moment of her life because let's be fair, she does not have a lot to compare it to. I would also like to speak up in Tamlin's defense that he knows that Feyre is very drunk. I think he is trying very hard (laughs) not to take advantage of her intoxication. Okay, you make a fair point. Because let's be honest, if she had woken up the next day and things had gotten very hot and I don't think that he would have gone further so what than is a it kiss. that you want it is to just happen. literally like it is the most chaste kiss i have ever read Isabel, ever. sometimes that's okay i am not saying that it's not okay i'm saying when it's the first time <laughs> the the main characters kiss sometimes there is okay supposed to, to be, be a little more urgency well, there was urgency in the hallway when he bit her. Yeah, that was a lot hotter, in my opinion, than <laughs> the kiss in the Glen. I don't disagree with you, but I think the kiss in the Glen was very romantic. It was it was romantic. You're, it correct. Was You're correct by saying it was yeah. chaste. It was a little bit more pure. The moment in the hallway was more primal. Yeah. A little bit more raw, a little bit more sexually charged. I guess which so. is exciting. He, he just he tries to end it so quickly. Again, I think, speaking in Tamla- on Tamlin's behalf, <laughs> she is very drunk. But they've been sitting there for a while, like, watching the Will-o'-the-Wisps until this but I, happens. But is, and- like, he also, he's very, like, remember when he was having this conversation with Lucian, he knows that there is this deal that if he can make a human fall in love with him. No. And he, that is actually, I'm glad think, that you brought that and up. And I because- think he is at war with himself being, like, is this real or am I wanting this to be real because of this no. bargain that's been actually, made? I think Jessica, he is holding himself back because he doesn't point. want to be taking advantage of her. You, you raise a great point and we actually haven't discussed this really at all in the spoiler section yet. And it is worth mentioning that we should be making, I know, we have another bottle. Don't worry. We'll do it after the episode. <laughs> okay. It is 
worth mentioning that we should be in these moments of real emotional intensity between these two main characters. We should be just remembering that it is all in the context of he has to do this. Otherwise, his entire court, and I think actually, I'll have to reread it, but all of Prithian. I think it's everyone. Yes. Like, will be forever basically doomed because of this blight. And so... I he think is he's at war with himself because he has genuine feelings for her, but also I think he, you are right, and he feels a tremendous amount of guilt because he's because he's not being honest with her. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, and you've also even heard him say to he Lucian, has guilt, "You can still have a bit of a better kiss than this." I mean, he—it's not even that it wasn't. He's trying to be respectful. Yes, it's like he brushes her lips and then is like, "Okay, we should get going." Then they do a little bit better than her. Because she goes, that's it. I love that she did that. I, I, me too. And thank God she did. That's exactly what I would have said. It would have ended after the first brush. Well, you know what? Sometimes women have to step up. I agree. I'm very happy that she did. There is nothing wrong with her (laughs) saying, that's it. As they say on Love Island, (laughs) pull them up on it. And then when they're sitting there on, on, the hill watching the sunrise Mm -hmm. and she says she says to him this is the first moment i've ever believed that there is a better world i then he really yeah then he really kisses her and she says it was not like the the first few yeah it was it was was not hurried it was i think is what is what yes and like and you know you we know you know you know you know (laughs) i will say he redeemed himself at the end. Though. It's it, but again, like to your point, this is romantic. This is not. Mm-hmm. It's not raw. It's not sexual. It's not primal. It's emotional. It is. It is deeply romantic and intimate. Yes, to me, it just yeah, it just feels knowing what I know in the context of all the other books. It is not. I hear you. Are. Yes. I'll let, I you know what I'm saying. There. Yeah. yeah. No, I do. But I, I am not trying to take away from the fact that this, again, is an incredibly important moment for her. And, like, her development is just a person feeling that for the first time. No, I love... You brought it that. up very early on yes. in this episode that she's falling in love for the first time. And I think every... And everyone can relate to that while you're while you're reading this. You're like, oh, and that if, feeling. And if you haven't been through it yet, like, God, how lucky are you? You have this to look forward because to. Because when it happens for you, it's so amazing. Yeah. And like, no, it's it's an amazing moment. And I, I want to end on a note that I picked up on about her Tell reference me. to a better world. And we hear it in the opening chapter of Akatar, actually. And I missed it then when her father looks at her and says, let your sisters hope for a better life, a better world. And she says, there is no such thing. It completely and totally went over my head until I was reading these chapters Again, this is a massive, massive, massive callback to Throne of Glass. Oh my god. When Until you said that right now, I didn't notice. When Manon arrives yes. in Terrasin, she says we came because we yes. believe in what Aelin Galathinius promised us. I am covered in goosebumps. When, oh my god. When Hassar reveals that she's already internally yes. decided to go with Sartok to fight, she says because... Aelin Galathinius asked me to fight for a better, a better world. world. Oh my, I have chills. I like got really emotional. Emotional? I'm going to tear up right now. Because Aelin's court is the court that is going to rebuild Re- yes. the world. And who knows what she had to do with creating Prithian. If well, anything at all. if the Maeve theory plays out, There's- Aelin being the cauldron doesn't work. 
Which is fine. Yeah, I love I'm, that there are I'm multiple s- theories out there. I love that they're all conflicting. I'm I love exploring just all of so them. I'm so excited for the next book. I need I'm it. scared. Well, I think we should probably end. This was personally my favorite this, episode yet. This has been amazing. I feel like my we cheeks, love you all so my much. My cheeks hot from smiling so much. No, there this has so been great. There are so many Easter eggs. All right. Thank you so much if you are still with us. You are a trooper. This is a long one. We know. You have no idea how much we love you. We get so excited every single time we make one of these episodes. And please reach out to us. We love to hear from all of you. We've started to get our first couple We have organic fans that aren't our friends. It's pretty exciting. Uh, A couple of quick housekeeping notes. If you missed it the first time, we are on Instagram at the underscore greatest genre on Twitter at greatest genre. You can email us at the greatest genre at gmail.com. We are also on TikTok. Thank you, Jessica, for figuring that out. CC3 cover art dropped and Jess is like, this is our time, Izzy. We have we have to figure out TikTok and I haven't done much since then, but I'm working on it. One of our videos has like fifty thousand views. That's impressive. Okay, but in the realm of TikTok, that's like nothing. Okay, well to TikTok newbies, it's very impressive. Thank you. And you should give yourself some credit. So we appreciate anyone who has followed us so far. If you haven't, we would really appreciate it if you threw us a follow on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts. We are on both of those platforms. Yes. As well as Amazon Podcasts and Google Podcasts. Yes. Linktree coming to the Instagram very soon mm-hmm. to make those very accessible. But we will be back on Wednesdays. With new episodes. Yeah, we're trying to keep the Wednesday every every two weeks episode drop a thing. Yes. I can't. We're, we're halfway through the season. I More know. than halfway through the season. It's going to get very intense. I was going to say. We're, we're <laughs> at, I feel like we're at the peak. Everything's happy and we're about and to now, do. The, the roller coaster is about to just start going tossing to you everywhere. Tumultuous. Thank if you. If you will. That's the perfect word. And on that note, thank you all very much. We love you. This has been the greatest genre.